Good evening. Great to see you all out tonight. Last, second, well, second last CE of the year. That means there's only two talks to listen to for the rest of the CE year. So you, you can do it and try and, uh, try and stay with me tonight and try and put away any distractions that are around you. I've really enjoyed this year of CE. I've really enjoyed getting stuck into the book of Ecclesiastes. It's my favorite book in the entire Bible. It's done my heart a lot of good. And tonight we're just wrapping up our series. Uh, we'll look at some of the verses Olivia Rose read for us so well, uh, but tonight we're trying to get the big picture. We're trying to remember what is the big picture of this beautiful book of Ecclesiastes, this book that uh, pulls no punches when it comes to the reality of life. Uh, before we get stuck in, let's pray. Let's ask God for his help. Father, would you be our teacher tonight? Lord, we need your help. We need you to be our guide. Take these beautiful words of Scripture and make them come alive in our heart. Help us to see that Jesus and life lived for him is really worth it. We pray this in his name. Amen. Let me ask you this. Do you remember the first time you were left home alone for the entire weekend? Do you remember that? Uh, maybe it hasn't happened for you just yet, but trust me, when it does, it's pretty friggin' great. Um, I was left home alone for the entire weekend, probably a bit younger than some of you here because I am the youngest in my family and I'm a boy. And if you're the youngest and a boy, you get everything you want. You get away with anything. It probably goes um, a bit in explaining who I have become as a human being. But anyway, home alone for the first weekend ever. I remembered vividly. I was more excited than my parents were for going on their holidays. My mom, she gave me 30 quid to go into Tesco's and buy groceries for the weekend. 30 British pounds sterling. That was a lot of money back in the olden days. Uh, 30 quid to go into Tesco's. So I went in. I bought the cheapest cheese, bacon, lattice fries, and Tesco cola I could find, as well as about 20 rocket lollies. Um, pocketed the rest of the money and decided I was going to order pizza like a champion. When my parents' uh, car disappeared down the driveway, it was like my life turned into a scene from the Cat in the Hat movie. You've seen the Cat in the Hat movie? You know what that looks like? It looks a bit like that. Uh, my first order of business was get my dog, who under no circumstances was ever allowed into the house, into the house. Max was forced through the door. He was very much an outdoors dog. He didn't want to be indoors, but I wanted him indoors, and he was a good boy, so he sucked it up, and he came in. I, I went around the house. I gathered up every single pillow in the entire house, stacked a dozen high on my bed. Brilliant. I uh, super glued my Xbox 360 controller to my hand and made it my life goal to try and complete as many uh, manager mode seasons on FIFA as possible, set up as late as my little eyes would allow me. And I knew I'd fall asleep a lot earlier than I wanted to, so I was sly. I set my alarm for half six in the morning. Both mornings, I was going to make the most of every single second of freedom. I had chocolate digestives for breakfast. No need to get changed. My uniform for the weekend were my pajamas. I wasn't going to waste time with this shower and getting changed to malarkey. I was going to sit in my own filth. This weekend was too important. It was a weekend of dreams. A weekend of dreams. That was until the moment I realized my parents were going to be home in the next hour on Sunday evening and the house looked like Chernobyl. Um, and then when it was sorted, and my parents made it very clear it was sorted to my standards and not theirs. Maybe you've heard that. There was the matter of the homework that I had absolutely not done over this weekend. So I had to sit up and do that. And then school on Monday morning was absolute torture because what sort of idiot sets alarms for half six at the weekend? Who, who does something like that? Someone who realizes that their weekend is short. 
what did I realize about my weekend of freedom? I realized before it even began, it was going to end. It wasn't going to last very long at all. And I had to make the most of it. The message of Ecclesiastes for you and I tonight is kind of like the message of my first weekend home alone, Kevin McAllister style. First takeaway is this. Your life won't last long. It won't. We will soon die. We will leave no lasting impact on this earth. And we will be utterly forgotten. That was kind of the message of the very first chapter of Ecclesiastes that we heard from way back in February time, if you remember it. It was a very uplifting talk. Life is short, life is elusive, life is repetitive, happy, happy, happy. And then it ends. It's done. It happens so quickly. You will soon die. You're not going to live forever. Ecclesiastes tells us that time and time again, the whole way through. And at the end of the book, chapter 12, verses 1 to 7, it tells us that Matt Campbell alluded it, uh, to it when he was here. It tells us, remember our Creator in the days of our youth, before what? Before essentially you get old and die. And that all happens very quickly. I remember uh, not so long ago, at the, the risk of sounding really like a da, uh, I could easily rock up to school, run cross-country um, in games with no training whatsoever, in Converse, true story, forgot my trainers, finish third, have a JPs that night, play football after that, and be absolutely grand the next day. My body would be fine. Now I run up the stairs slightly too quickly, and I'm screaming at Ruth to call the ambulance. That's it, I'm done. My heart feels like Animal from the Muppets is playing a drum kit inside my chest. It's my time, I'm about to die. Now that's partly because I'm a fat mess now, but... I've got old, and I've got old quickly. I play football on Wednesday nights with some lads from church, and on Thursday morning, it feels like at some point throughout the night, some paramilitaries have got a hold of my legs and had their way with me. It's really sad, but it's happened really quickly. Um, Gilly had a birthday this week. I won't embarrass him with the details. There's cake afterwards. He's a little bit older than me. But if you were to ask Gilly to give you a rundown of some of the famous tries he scored for the Portadown College rugby team, he could describe them to you in great detail. Because for Gilly, I'm sure, it seems just like yesterday. But it wasn't yesterday. I'm sorry, Gilly, it was decades ago. But that time has elapsed really quickly. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 10, it says this, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. Why? For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. In other words, your youth, your life, they're vapor. They'll pass by like that. You're not here for long. You're really not. Um, I often like to embarrass people for what they put on social media. It's fun to do that. It makes me feel better about myself. But let me just show you how quickly life goes by using my Facebook profile pictures. Just watch this. So there's me skiing back in, what's that, 2009. Very athletic, very childish. Some really dodgy hair choices, shoe choices. It's just embarrassing choices all around, really. Black kid. <laughs> I ain't got a girlfriend. Hope for the Peter Douglases of this world. <laughs> that girlfriend would become my wife. And just like that, I went from that kid, that really childish kid in the first photo, and now I have a family of three. That's a very cute, I have no idea, no need to put that photo on the left up, but objectively that is a cute child, so he goes up. 
And that, all that happened in what, like 15 profile pictures? I went from thinking I was really cool and stylish in my ski gear to having a kid. 10 years, just like that. You're not here for long. And despite what your career teachers tell you or what those inspirational principal speeches say or whatever the articulate motivational speaker tells you and prized is, the reality is you're going to leave no lasting impact on this world. Life is short and you will be utterly forgotten. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 11 tells us this. There's no remembrance of former things nor will there be any remembrance of later things. In other words, nothing you do, nothing you do or anybody does will be remembered. You will leave no lasting impact on this world. You'll be completely forgotten. Now, looking through those profile pictures, it reminds me I've done some pretty fun things with my life. I've been skiing. I've been to Monte Carlo. I've made some, some pretty weird friends. I climbed to the top of the New Horizon tent. That's what that pic profile picture was. Who puts that as their profile picture? Like, seriously? Also, don't do that. Scariest moment of my life was trying to get down from that. I've, I've made some pretty cool trips to the Dominican Republic, Philadelphia, both with CE. I've got married. I've finally graduated. Usually you do it the other way around. But by and large, all those things on this earth, in and of themselves, they'll make no difference. No one will remember anything I've done. You might not believe me. You might think I'm being a wee bit too cynical here. Well, if I were to ask you, what is the name of your great-great-great-grandmother? I would be amazed if anyone here could give me an answer. And you know, your great-great-great-grandmother is someone very significant in your life because without her, there wouldn't be you. But for each of you, someone so influential in your existence, she's most likely being forgotten even though she probably, whoever she was, lived a very full life. She probably fell in love, got married, had kids. She worked hard. She's probably a good wife, had neighbors. She spoke to friends that she chatted to. She probably had struggles, and she probably sinned, and she probably had sufferings. But she's being forgotten, as will you. Life is short. We will soon die, leaving no lasting impact on this world, only to be forgotten. The preacher says, life is vanity. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that information? Let me tell you what you do. You make the most of your life. We make the most of our lives. We enjoy our short journeys here on this earth. We do what I did that very first weekend. My parents left me home alone. We make the most of every single second we are given. We make the most of this life. Now, Ray Ortland, he's a preacher guy. He's absolutely class. He asks the question, why aren't these two things crazily contradictory? And the answer he gives is this, because God, as Ecclesiastes tells us, he's good, he's sovereign, and he's just all the time. 
Here's what I think he means by that. That means even though life is short and futile and there's nothing that we can do to leave an lasting impact here on this earth in God's goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love, he allows for broken individuals like you and me, messed up people like us to make an eternal impact for him when they make the most of life, enjoying it as he instructs. You see, people try to make the most of life, but so often you and I, we try to do it on our own terms. And whether people will openly admit it or not, everybody knows that this life is coming to an end. Everybody knows that this life is short. God has wired us that way. And people want to make the most of this time that they have on earth, which is a good and right desire, but they think that making the most of the time that they have here on earth is a life lived for self. Ecclesiastes has shown us that, hasn't it? We're so prone to think that's going to be a life of indulgence. Whether that's food or drink or sex or money. We think a, a full life is a life trying to leave a legacy, whether that's with our intellect or our property or our skill. We think it's a life of work, whether that's getting the best exam results see I have ever seen, or working your way to the top of the heap in whatever area of business you end up working in, whether that's Jamison's or Mahan Garden Center. Well, the author of Ecclesiastes, the, the preacher, he tells you he's tried all these things. He's carried out the practical for us. And the lesson he teaches is that if that's what you think that getting the most out of this life is, those things will only leave you more disappointed and more unfulfilled and leave even less of a mark than you thought was possible. We've heard time and time again over the last few months, all that stuff in and of themselves is a bunch of crap. They're pointless, futile waste of your time. A waste of your short, short life. So how do we make the most of our lives? How do we live under a sovereign God in this short life that he has created for us to live and make the most of that? Well, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, wrapping up the book, the preacher writes this. The end of the matter, all has been heard. In other words, this is what I've learned. This is what I've been teaching you the whole book. Here's the summary. Here, here's what we do. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. How do you make the most of your short, short life that's here today and gone tomorrow? Fear God and keep his commandments. That's your duty, he says, as a human being created by God for God. Now, to fear God doesn't mean we run screaming from him like Shaggy and Scooby-Doo run screaming from men in costumes shouting zoinks. It doesn't mean that we sing at CE with our, our knees knocking together, trembling, terrified that God will destroy us if we don't get the words right. God isn't some sort of bully who's going to take your dinner money. To, to fear God means that we love him. It means that we obey him. It means that we trust him. It means that we live for him. It means that we find life and joy in keeping his commandments and living how he tells us to live. For us, it means that if we trust in Jesus Christ, that if we believe in him, if we put our faith in him, if we, told, or if we live as he has told us to live, loving him, loving others, desiring to make an impact for him and his kingdom and his cause, not our own, that there's life in that. It means that we should have an awareness that because of our sin, we have a broken relationship with the holy God. Verse 14 tells us that God will bring every deed into judgment. That's every secret thing, whether good or evil. It means we need an awareness of our need of salvation. 
and that in response and reverence and awe and in pure amazement of what Christ has done for us, we cry out to God and we live for him. Mark Dever, an American preacher, someone who Capper loves more than Capper loves coffee, um, Mark Dever says this when he's speaking about the gospel. He tells us that God in his love and his mercy, he could simply have allowed people like you and me to live an earthly life with some pleasures, pleasures that the preacher pursued this time on earth. And then when this life was done, we would fall under his judgment forever. But God, in his extraordinary, amazing, unparalleled love, the Son of God has come and taken on flesh. The Lord Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, lived the life that we should live, fearing God and keeping his commandments. And then he died a death that we deserve because we try to find meaning and make an impact in things other than what God has told us is good and right. And then God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, powerful over sin and death, making it clear that everything that Jesus claimed about himself was true. So that if you and I believe in Jesus, we could be forgiven of our sins. We could enter into a right relationship with the living God of this universe and have a life far more full and free and meaningful than anything this world with all its promises could ever offer you. What is a life well lived? What is a life that's enjoyed? What does it look like to make the most of this life? It's a life that recognizes who God is, what he has done for you and me. A life with the heart at the center of it that is blown away by him, in love with him, that has faith in Jesus and lives that out. If you understand one thing, if you understand one thing from the book of Ecclesiastes, make it this. If you want to make the most of this life, the short life that God has given you, you do not need those exam results that you cast or your parents tell you you need. You do not need that boyfriend or girlfriend who doesn't love Jesus and all reality isn't good for your soul. You do not need to madly scramble every single weekend or every time your parents are away to make the most of every second you have to suck certain liquids down your gizzard. You do not need to have that social media following that you'd really quite like or at least the likes that some people get that you think would make you feel kind of nice about yourself. You do not need that certain amount of money or those certain clothes or that dog or that holiday or whatever it is. You do not need to run around like a headless chicken like childhood me when my parents left the house desperately trying to make the most of it. If you want to make the most of this life, you need Jesus. You need him. See, Jesus isn't someone who's a killjoy. He's not. Jesus Christ is the one who created the very concept of joy. He is the giver of all joy and true joy. And true life is found in living for him and being united to him and then making him known. That's how you make the most of this short life. You fear God and you keep his commandments. You give your life to Jesus and then live for Jesus. That's what every Christian's life should be about. You need Jesus. Everything was created in and through and for him, even you. You know, it's Jesus who makes this life worth living. It's Jesus who allows you to have an eternal impact during your short journey here on earth as you live for him and tell others about him. It's all Jesus. It's all about him. So give your life to him. Actually live for him. 
Give him your dreams and your desires, your hopes and plans, and let him dictate what you do with your life. Jim Elliott, who is an incredible missionary hero of mine who died telling people about Jesus, he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Give everything over to the one who gives you meaning and satisfaction and life. That should be your duty. That should be your joy to fear God and keep his commandments for you to be his and for him to be yours. And if you live for Jesus, if you actually live for Jesus, if you give him your life, if you give him your heart, if you give him control, that will get you through the hard times that Ecclesiastes tells you will come. That will get you through heartbreak and suffering and persecution and sadness, knowing that because you're united to Jesus, nothing will separate you from his love, that you have eternal significance and meaning, that God will use even those darkest moments for the good of others and his eternal glory. Clinging to Jesus will get you through the disappointment that's coming your way. Holding fast to Jesus will help you not wrap up your life in the pleasures of this world, only to be absolutely gutted when it all unravels. Belonging to Jesus will still give you meaning even when you get bad news, whether that's about your loved ones or about yourself. Loving Jesus will help you keep going when you hate everything around you and want to give up. God in his sovereignty, in his goodness, and in his justice has made a way for people like us to have meaning and life and salvation and joy. And it's not in anything we can do ourselves, and it's not in anything this world has to offer. It's it's all through Jesus, the one who created you, The one who who tells you how to live well. The one who loves you dearly and isn't finished with any one of us yet. Ecclesiastes tells us this. Your life won't last. So don't go looking for temporary things for your eternal significance. That's not what you were created for. You were created for an eternity with the God of this universe. Look to Jesus. Make the most of life for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that there is life to be lived, and that's life in and for Jesus Christ. thank you that you sent your son to take on flesh to live a perfect life and to die a death in our place so that if we trust in him that we can have lives of eternal significance that we can live lives eternally with you father help us not to waste our time father help us not to run after fleeting things Help us to cling to Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you all just want to stand, we're going to sing.